What's up, everybody? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn some new tricks and to not suck as bad as they did last weekend. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Adam Johnson. And I'm Dan Ray, coming to you from Greensboro, North Carolina. How's it going, Dan? Super good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, we, my company took us on a, uh, on a hike today. Sweet. So, so instead of, you know, doing what I normally do at work, I hiked five miles and saw a bunch of waterfalls. All right. Uh, that's a, that's a good, that's a good Monday. That's good. Feeling pretty good about that. That's good. You get recently? Uh, n- well, no, no, I didn't. Yeah. And it's been great. Aren't <laughs> <laughs> weeks off nice sometimes? <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, I did an acoustic thing uh, a few weeks back, and that was cool. Um, just having a little fun money. And um, nah, this past weekend we did the Mother's Day deal, and um, it was really low key and really chill, and it was really nice. Very good. Uh, the only big band thing that's going on right now is we are kind of full steam ahead for this uh, this '90s dance party thing that we're doing called Fanny Pack Friday. Yeah. So the video ad launched, and um, I've just been bugging people about it incessantly, and we're just trying to hammer out the song song list right now. And let me tell you, that video ad you posted is amazing. How did you do that? Oh well. This is um, another one of those things where you don't necessarily have to know what you're doing, but you do need to be resourceful. So mm. um, I found a really obnoxious, like day glow nightmare template on it's, it's one of so these. Perfect. It's really yeah, it's so perfect on one of these um, on one of these kind of trading post uh, deals where people put After Effects templates that they've created uh, up on a marketplace. And I found one that I liked, and I spent twenty five bucks on it, and uh, filled the content in, and it took me about an hour to turn that whole thing around. Well, and well it's I'm, very impressive. It really, um, it really is impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, it really kind of sells the whole thing. And when I, just to be clear, when I say me, uh, I mean my friend Jeff and his company Pinnacle Productions, <laughs> I believe is their name. But if you are in need of promotional uh, material, videos any sort of uh, graphic design or anything like that, you should hit these guys up. They are uh, very competitive and they are in the business that we are in so they can help you out. And it's a bit more personal than Fiverr. So check cool. those guys out. This week, we would like to talk about... Well, hang on, so, hang on, oh, so I, oh, I'm sorry. I want to say a something about the gig I played this weekend. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please no continue. No problem. Because um, uh, it was interesting. So we played at a new place we haven't played at before, Cooper's Ale House. And um, mm-hmm. the <laughs> it's a restaurant that's attached to a hotel. And... This restaurant used to exist in its own space that then got shut down hard by the health department and they moved into. Um, I mean, and apparently that old building has now sold, but it's going to have to be. I mean, it was like quadruple condemned. It's brutal. Um, <laughs> so, but the company moved into another restaurant space next to a hotel fairly close to their old place and, and apparently does music. And we dropped in there and got ourselves a booking. And um, we walked in there and. Uh, it, I should back up and say one of the missions for the Clanky Lincolns is to be um, broadly um, to like not be demographically constrained. A lot of the bands in our area are cover bands that do classic rock and that's about it. And their audience is 40 plus white guys pretty much. Um, So we wanted to reach all ages, all races, all demographics, you know, what have you. Um, We've really designed the set for that. Mm-hmm. We walked in there and started sitting up, and literally, we were the four white people in the building. Okay. And it was like, all right. And I could, you kind of see the people who were there eating, and there was a birthday party happening. And you kind of see them looking at us like, all right, how's this going to go, right? Where are these, mm-hmm. where are these white boys going to play? Um, 
And so I called an audible and we sound checked with let's get it on. Okay. And, um, that song has its moment and you decided that it was, uh, it was right at the beginning. And I will tell you, we had the room from sound check. There you go. And, uh, it was just so cool. It was such a, such a validation of, you know, that we, we, we built the thing to reach out. We're doing some kind of R and B and, um, we even have a rap battle built into one of our songs and, um, and we slayed, we completely slayed a room of black people. It was awesome. It was so That's cool. Fantastic. It was so cool. And, um, to, you know, giving out cards to them and they're like, they, they wanted to see us again. It was just, it was really great. It was really cool. Yeah. And I mean, if you, if you can't, if you can't play to any room, um, you need to probably look at your material and maybe kind of broaden it. Um, the one that I feel we, we always kind of turn, uh, turn people around is either PYT, mm. um, or kiss <laughs> by Prince. Oh yeah. Yeah. We kill Prince. We kill that one too. So those yeah. are both really good, uh, good tunes that, uh, everybody likes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, want to be starting something is a good, good Jackson tune as well. It's a long one, man. Did yeah. You, yeah. Well, you play the we, album version that's six, six minutes and 30 some odd seconds. <laughs> we do. And I know that cause we did it. We did a thriller tribute. We played every single song off that record. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I skip a verse. Um, when I do that, which one, one now? Uh, I don't even remember. <laughs> one of the ones that you totally forget about the one, one of the ones they don't play on the radio. Okay. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't do that whole song. Cause you're right. It's ridiculously long. Yeah. But a winner. Yes. Well, very good. I'm glad to hear that uh, that went well. Yeah. Um, and since we're talking about going to places we haven't been before, I, I will beseech our audience if you're uh, if you're out there, um, we are playing a big outdoor event in Kingsport, Tennessee, July 13th, and we are looking for a uh, some sort of routing gig in the Chattanooga area on the 14th of July. So if you know any uh, anybody that's looking for a band or uh, a venue that might have uh, a need for a pretty fun party band, uh, hit us up at coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. Uh, I would love to get their info. And since we're talking about getting in touch with us, this is another episode that is going out solely by the request of our, our listener. Super listener, our, our our listener. Super listener. Well, as far as we can tell, our listener. Yes. Chris Domingue. He gets what he wants. You know why? Because he's got the know-how and the drive to ask. That's right. And because we are very easily influenced, if you want to hear us talk about something, all you have to do is ask. We will take <laughs> any and all suggestions. Because here's the thing. Basically, we're in cover bands, so we're basically dancing monkeys already. Right. So tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you want to hear us talk about, and we will totally do that for you. Last week, we talked about how what we talk about doesn't matter, and we don't even take our own advice. So, that's right. That's right. I mean, this show is barely hanging on as it is. Listen, I think we can Any, pull it through, though. I think we can pull it through. I feel like we're still doing a good job, you know, for, yeah. what, for what what we're trying to do. Yeah, for episode eight? Yeah. I don't, I don't feel bad. We've made, it, we've made it this far. Yeah. So, yeah, good times. This episode, we are talking about gear, specifically um, – Sound reinforcement, I believe, is the uh, the topic du jour. Yeah. And uh, we are both in bands that own our own PA, and that is an interesting conversation um, or thing to consider, uh, whether you are, uh, you're starting a band or uh, you're trying to put one together, uh, or if you are already established and kind of looking at the next steps for, uh, for what you guys want to do. 
If you go on the Cover Band Confidential blog, I wrote an article about why having a PA would be a pretty good idea. And I can tell you our story, which is that um, we were getting going and we kept running into situations where uh, we'd get a really decent, high-paying private event and we'd have to kind of cobble together um, a PA from, you know, oh, so-and-so has the speakers and so-and-so has the the mixer and just kind of like cobbling together stuff at the last minute. And it was always this huge harangue. Um, and we finally sat down with our agent that was like, we're thinking about doing this. Will this help? And she said, if you get a PA, we can definitely give you more business. And so we bit the bullet and we did the Sweetwater 48 month uh, purchase deal. Yep. We financed a very pretty solid PA. And as soon as we did that, the agency stopped calling. Oh, oh. but it, it's all good. We, it, it kind of coincided with a bunch of other um, fortuitous situations for us. And we ended up, you know, it wasn't like it sat in my basement for months on end. Right. Uh, it was just kind of one of those funny things that as their, uh, as their uh, assistance kind of waned, our kind of our reputation kind of picked up and um, that PA gets quite a bit of use. Sure. And uh, we were going for, kind of minimal size, maximum impact, uh, kind of setup. And so we've got like an eight space rack that has all of our stuff, like all of our front of house stuff in it, including wireless mics and in-ear monitors, which we will definitely delve into. Yep. Uh, and those are running into a pair of KW 181 subs, which are the QSC wood cabinet subwoofers and two, uh, QSC K 12s, which are their plastic, mid tier speakers. So pump it about 4,000 Watts. Um, and for about 90% of what we do, it is more than enough. Yeah. And, I would uh, say great clarity, good punch. Uh, we get and lots and lots often of, do you get above three on those speakers? That is one of the wonderful things that I don't have the answer to because yeah. <laughs> I hire a sound guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe the, the most important piece of gear you got right there. Absolutely. Um, we, we can delve into that as well. Um, just to kind of talk about, you know, when, when's a good time to do that. So, uh, but yeah, we have been very happy. We are, um, pretty much all, um, we run everything through a, uh, a Behringer X32 rack and Sennheiser wireless mics and Sennheiser wireless, uh, in-ear monitors. And we have a, a seismic audio, uh, three-way, uh, split snake so that we can plug into other people's systems if we are playing like a festival stage or something like that. Uh, and we have our own clean little uh, monitor world regardless of where we are and whether we are providing sound or not. And uh, we love it. It's been very, very good. It's been worth every single penny. That's great. Spread out over 48 months. Right, right. What about you, Dan? Well, um, so when I started the Clanky Lincolns, um, um, uh, let's just bookmark that I want to come back to what is the jankiest PA system you've ever seen. Um, so, um, it, it became clear pretty promptly that we needed to upgrade what we were working with. Mm -hmm. And, um, what I ended up researching and buying for my purposes. And remember, I'm mostly playing bars. Um, I have played some outdoor things. I've played some fairly big rooms. Um, what I am working through is a Behringer, uh, XR 16, which is the mid range of the little brother package, uh, the, the line that is slightly below the one that you're using. Yes. Um, uh, 16 inputs and that's, um, you mean, I, I, my experience kind of is no matter how many you've got, it's not quite enough. So mm -hmm. that's, that's where I'm at right now. now um, to be, to be clear, uh, isn't the model, is it, is it the XR 18 air 
Is that what it's called? It's 16 mic, mic inputs. Um, uh, it's, um, gosh, I need to count them. So there's a 12, a 16 and an 18 and I have the 16. Got it. And, and um, the 18 counts as inputs two quarter inch aux ins. Yeah. So uh, it, it wasn't as useful to me. Yeah, anyway, I'm actually anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, yeah. There is a, an extra 16. I was look, I was thinking about the other one. Yeah, I'm on the 16. The other big difference between the 16 and the 18 is that the USB output. So the 16 is not an audio interface. You can't do multi-track recording like you can out of the 18. Mm-hmm. Um, what it does do is stereo recording onto a USB stick. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, all of those guys do those, which is great. Well, the 18 doesn't. The 18 only does multi-channel out as an audio as an audio interface. Yeah, the X32 does do it through the the USB. Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm actually on Sweetwater's site looking at it right now. So cool. Uh, yeah. And I also like the the front panel MIDI in and out. That's great. That is nice. That is nice. I haven't really used it, but I know it's a useful thing for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got that, and then I um I came out of a band that used the Bose L1 tower systems, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sold on the linear array as a as a concept. Um, so I shopped those. There was a new generation of them that happened since that Bose came out. And the one I settled on is the TurboSound, um, TurboSound Inspire IP2000, mm-hmm. um, which was at the time the top of the line. They've come up with an, an IP3000 just came out uh, a month or two ago. Yeah. Um, but a year or so, the 2000 was the top of the line. They are um, 2000 watts each. And uh, it's uh, the tower kind of rests in a 12-inch sub. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are two of those. I am contemplating adding a sub to the lineup because it doesn't have that chest thump that I want. Sure. Um, but it does fill a room very nicely. The beauty thing about these um, tower systems is they don't have to have a ton of volume output to fill a room very nicely. They throw mm-hmm. really, really well. And that has to do with the physics of the sound wave. I could totally nerd out about it. But um, the feedback we get often is that we sound good, we're not too loud, and they want to rebook us. So yeah. that's uh, those are good things. Um, so we got all those. We're, we're working through um, some fairly bargain basement wireless mics right now. Um, I don't even remember the brand. They don't rack. The, the receiver has to sit on top of my rack right now. This is prime for upgrade. Um, and uh, the other piece I have that's kind of interesting is a um, PA2, uh, uh, um, dry rack PA2, which is a speaker management system mm-hmm. that has built into it um, – uh, room auto EQ. So you take a, a monitoring mic, like a flat FRFR mic, and stand back from the speakers and push a button on the on the app, and the thing goes zoink, and then you hear uh, the other speaker. You know, it does that on the left, and then on the right, it goes zoink, and it's auto EQing the room without doing pink noise. Right, um, and it's very quick and very nice, and it comes up with a, a, an EQ line that's you know, specific to that room. And it's also doing automatic feedback suppression, mm-hmm. um, which um, tower arrays are not very prone to feedback anyway, but um, um, this thing even, you know, cuts that even more. I almost never have feedback issues. That's great. So the beauty of this system is that it fits completely into my Highlander, um, which was one of the <laughs> one of the requirements for it. I did, you know, I laid out a tape measure and figured it all out and I can carry the whole PA in my car, yep. which is, uh, which is huge. Yeah, we um, the the car that we were hauling all of our gear in previously was a uh, was a Honda Element, and believe it or not, that whole rig will fit inside a Honda Element. Mm. Now, very nice. What we have now done is the elements aren't really built to to haul, so um, we 
and, and, you know, we have kids and what we uh, landed on is a 2015 Suburban LTZ. Okay. We can now fit the entire PA in the car without taking the car seats out. Mm. So it's that's good. I have to I have to leave the car seat in the storage unit yep. when I put the PA. No, in. this this is a have family band will travel uh, setup. And also, Very if cool. we chose to, we could tow anything we wanted with that thing. They're complete right. monsters, um, right? And we it, it helps us uh, assimilate in the very upwardly uh, mobile suburban area of Metro Atlanta that we live in. That's the biggest challenge is trying to figure out which white suburban is our white suburban. Uh, there's quite a few of them. About. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of red Highlanders around too. I, I know the pain. Yep. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the question we were specifically asked though, um, we're both in the um, uh, digital mixer powered speaker world. Yes. Chris's question was, how do you feel about that versus analog-powered mixers and passive speakers? Well, I'll tell you. I'm for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah the, Good night, kids. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's our show. We'll just start. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about pros and cons here. So the, mainly, the, the, the two things you're going to run into um, is the new school versus the old school approach is really um, affordability. Because um, passive speakers, speaker amps, and um, and out like full size analog mixers are nine times out of ten going to be the more affordable option. Um, True. You can go as low as you know. You could also do something like a um, you know like a powered mixer that's just sending the um, the juice out of the uh, of the board itself, and uh, those are definitely more affordable. Uh, and they have onboard effects and, and they can, they could probably do, I would say 60% of the gigs that are out there could be done in that configuration. The main thing that we were looking for was, um, efficiency and quality. And for us, the, the obvious choice was to go, um, the digital powered route because it takes up way less space. Um, I know for us, the, the, the issue with the uh, with using in ear monitors that's you know that's four less things that we have to carry uh, when mm-hmm. we load in, um, and it's that that was just kind of the the decision that we made. And I did a lot of research, um, talked to a lot of people, went on a lot of message boards, talked to my Sweetwater rep, you know, went through the ringer trying to figure out what worked best for us. Um, and a lot of people kind of were were surprised that we ended up going with the X thirty two route as opposed to um, the XR series. But one of the things that I really wanted to be able to do is, uh, is expand when I, you know, if the band ever got to that point and mm-hmm. just some of the things that they've released in the past couple of years, um, have kind of reinforced my, my gut feeling that that was the right move. Um, the last thing that happened, um, was the release of the X air card. I'm sorry, the X live card, uh, that Behringer, I think hit stores maybe last month which allows you to record 32 channels of audio directly to SD cards that you put in the mixer itself. So I can Mm. record 32 channel multi to a couple of uh, SD cards and have live tracks of every show that we record, Um, which is great for promo material. You know, we're in the process of adding um, some new bands to the roster and some new concepts. um, And that's going to allow us to, to do that uh, much, much quicker. Because I can just throw things in the logic, I can edit them, um, put a quick, you know, if we if if that band plays one show, 
I can take the audio from it and uh, put a promo together in, you know, a couple of hours and, and it'll be just, you know, it'll be what we're looking for. Very cool. You know, I'll say this about the sort of low end of the PA world. I see bands This you know, goes back to the jankiest PA system mm-hmm. you've seen. Um, I see a lot of bands in smaller venues using their guitar amps to fill the room yep. with guitar mm-hmm. and their bass rigs to fill the room. And I'll say this about bassists. They tend to have pretty darn good rigs. Yeah. <laughs> a, a bass rig can fill a room. Yeah. <laughs> of, of arbitrary size. <laughs> um, and then the whole point of the PA is to carry the vocals. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the vocalist's amp. Yes. And, and that, that's traditionally the way it was. Right. You know, back in the, back before PAs could do the job that, you know, modern PAs can do that. They're basically, exactly. they were there to, to mic the singers and that's it. Exactly. Exactly. And if you had a big enough room that had house sound, you mic'd your amps and put that through the house sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically if you're playing a bar, it was your amp, you know, as the guitarist, it was your amp that was going to carry the room. And, um, and I'm still seeing bands do that and it's a valid way to go. It's fine. It's kind of the same as it ever was kind of approach. Same as it ever was. Um, yeah. The thing that, you know, Adam, you and I both signed on to is the ampless modeling, Mm -hmm. um, world. Yes. And, um, there are so many upsides to that. You, you know, the downside is, of course, you don't, you, the, the, the amp and cabinet that's producing your tone isn't also putting that tone out onto the airwaves, mm-hmm. right? You need a PA to amplify it and make it audible. Um, but man, is there a lot less to carry? And man, does my Helix have every amp I'd ever want to dream about playing through and all the effects I'd ever want and, and new updates every three or four months. Mm-hmm. Um, God, it's just such a big step forward in terms of flexibility and in terms of ease of use. It's um, um, it's a little bit of an investment, but boy, if if you can um, find your way to leave that Fender Jazz Man at home and you know bring out something that's cleaner on stage, quieter on stage, and gives you all the flexibility you'd ever want, I, I just I just really recommend it. There's some great tools out there. Adam and I are both Helix guys, yep. but I've played. Um, I played an atomic amplifier for a couple of years, and mm-hmm. that was very good. Um, Axe Effects is great. Um, the Headbrush pedal board is apparently very good. There are lots of options out there. So yeah, the Kemper Profiler also. Kemper Pro. I mean, you know, that's going to be the top of the line forever, probably the Kemper. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you're if you're an amp nerd, um, the Kemper is definitely the way to go. And it's also, you know, the thing that a lot of people don't consider is that even if you're like a pedal guy, almost all of these take pedals really well. Um, mm-hmm. I could not wait to get rid of my pedals. Um, uh, they're currently all up on uh, on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. I'm I'm ready to just cash in. Um, yeah, I need to do that too. The one pedal, I mean, I'm waiting for a couple of emulations to come in the Helix. I mm-hmm. can't quite get rid of my um, Digitech Freakout. Yeah, quite yet. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a that's a brand new guy. I mean, you know, it unless, is unless you're putting unless you're putting like a Sustainiac or something in your uh, in the guitar itself, you can't really get those uh, those effects that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one's so juicy. That one's so tasty. Yeah, I've never used yeah. one, but I've I've seen plenty of demos. Um, yeah. I will say this: if you were looking at Helix, a Helix or or one of these emulators, um, it kind of ruins Guitar Center for you. That's true. <laughs> I have no interest in any of the guitar Reddits or yeah, it's just boards. Like, or, uh, yeah, I go in That's there really and I'm true. just like, nope, everything's yeah. I'm good. I need um, some strings. See ya. Yeah, or I'm I'm I spend more time in the pro audio section now. Um, right. Yeah. Because yeah. now that I own a PA, now I have all these other things I've got to worry about. 
Right. But, um, but yeah, it, you know, for us, it was a situation where, um, the, the, the amp situation was just, we were playing in rooms that weren't built to, you know, to house live bands. And so you were dealing with reflections and, and yeah. things that just weren't, uh, weren't optimal. And also, you know, because we were playing corporate events, um, there was a certain aesthetic that, you know, you want to achieve because, you know, there's probably going to be an award ceremony or some sort of, you know, there's going to be stuff mm -hmm. going on on stage besides what you were doing. And the less you can put in front of, you know, for people to stare at the better. So in our case, when you see, you know, when you walk up and, and see our setup, it's literally a, a set of drums, um, a keyboard stand, if there's a keyboard player and nothing else, that's it. Yeah. It's super clean. Um, and for us, we like to run around and, you know, we've got, you know, some high energy moments and having just all of this room, so much room for activities. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's always a big <laughs> win for us. Um, yeah. and also the fact that our, you know, our PA is small, but efficient and our front of house guy just walks around with an iPad. Uh, he can go to different parts of the room. He can tune the, um, the system as he walks around, yeah. um, you know, unless, unless you knew what he was doing, like I find, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the show and I see him in the back and there's just people like, Hey, what are you doing? And he's kind of like showing off what he's doing. And everybody thinks it's right. like the coolest thing. Like he's doing a magic yeah. trick. Yeah. He'll mute you just to show off, you know? Yeah. Right. Or, <laughs> you know, crank up the, uh, the reverb and the delay just to, you know, just to show that it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, I, I run sound off an iPad that's attached to my mic stand. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I'm set it and forget it, but, um, not always, it's good to have, you know, immediate access to my faders if I need them. Yeah. Um, so the, let's talk a little bit about why I ended up going with a sound guy. Mm -hmm. So, um, we members only has the, the benefit of being in a certain price range that, you know, I had the margin to do it. So what I have basically done is I have a guy who, has been, um, a, a, honestly a family friend, a guy I've known since we were like little kids, um, that really kind of bought into the, um, the branding and the, uh, the approach that we were going for. And also happens to own a studio and knows live sound. Um, hmm. he was like, I want in. So when we, when we play, I pay him like he's a member of the band and, yeah. um, and his job is to set the PA up, run sound check, and do all the things that I could do, but I choose not to. Mm -hmm. um, before he came along, uh, I'll say this: the breaking point that I had was we were doing an event in Kiowa, uh, South Carolina, at a resort, and I was I drove I drove the PA up, I set the PA up, I ran the sound, and things just weren't working. Um, and actually, one of the reasons why I ended up going with the X32 over the XR18 is I was borrowing one. And I didn't have a bat. I didn't have a router. Um, oh, I was trusting the the stock router. That is the thing about the Xair series. The the Wi-Fi in it is terrible. You have to have an external router. So le let's let's get down into the let's get granular for just a second. Um, the reason why people have issues with the wireless in the XR series is because it runs on the two point four uh, gigahertz uh, bandwidth, which mm -hmm. is just very very high traffic. Um, it, you know, microwaves run on it, Wi-Fi, all Wi-Fi networks, you know, that are typically public run off of it. And it's just a really hard spectrum to get a solid signal out of. 
Um, yeah, the, the classic thing that'll happen is it'll work great in your basement, mm-hmm. and then you'll get it somewhere where there are a hundred people in a, with you know with cell phones in their pockets, yep. and it'll all go to hell. Yeah. So I was like, well, if, if I got to set up my own network, I might as well you know get an X an X thirty two that has more functionality. Um, but yeah, so you know it worked during sound check, but then the guest showed up, and then I couldn't adjust things. Exactly. And exactly. Um, it just completely took me out of the. The, the job that I was supposed to be doing, which was, you know, fronting a band. Uh, and I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I, uh, I hired him out and he's done a fantastic job and so much. So now he's actually now our admin. So he's making on some gigs, he makes more money than I do because hmm. I'm paying him a, a 5%, um, administration fee off of the gross bookings. So any gig that he books, which is what he's doing, he's, you know, he's sending out contracts and doing a lot of the legwork, um, kind of in tandem with myself. Uh, and yeah, so he, you know, he, he makes good money doing, doing the, uh, the stuff that I, I don't want to do. Good. And my favorite thing in the world is when my guys call me or send me a text and they're like, Hey, what's the load in time for X, Y, Z. I'm like, I don't know. Ask Ben. Oh. I don't know. Ask Ben are my favorite four words in the whole wide world. <laughs> it's my puppy's favorite too. Yeah. If you really. can. I can. I think there's a dog outside. Anywho. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so like I said, there's pros and cons to all of those things. Um, but you know, if you have the means to do it yourself and save yourself a couple of bucks, by all means go for it. Um, I just felt that my quality of life improved when I stopped. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you know, I, 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 um, I can say the same thing about when I gave up the notion that I'm ever going to be like a, a yard work doer. Mm. I like to have a nice yard, but I'm never going to do the work for it. So I found a guy, great guy. And boy, my life is so much better. I, you know, I, <laughs> man, just, I, could, I could use that really right good. now. I'll tell you really good. You know, as you get older, uh, you kind of realize that your time is worth certain things and oh, yeah. it's not worth other things Absolutely. and you are willing to pay for them. Yep. Um, so I, I definitely feel you on that. And, and as I've gotten older, I've had more capacity to pay for them too. Also that. Yeah. Um, so you guys are still using wedges though. Is that correct? We are. And we're using, um, so, uh, my drummer has a, um, pretty nice monitor that he sits on the back line and usually sits opposite the basis. So my bassist is like picking up sidewash off of his mm-hmm. side monitor. And then I have two super, super crappy, custom brand with a K. Um, oh, I know we all know custom. You don't mm, even have to explain mm, it to us. Well, they're 12 inch wedges and, um, they make noise. They make, they make some noises. Um, I mean, it gets the job done. It gets the job done. And yeah. I, and I bought them knowing I bought them actually for a gig when I was, it was the first time I took taking the PA outdoors into like a mm-hmm. bit, a big outdoors. It's like a public park. Um, and I will say that, um, Turbo sound system. I played in uh, Center City Park in Greensboro, here my hometown, and mm-hmm. it filled a one city block park very amply at about two thirds volume. Good. Um, you know, it was my first time turning it up that far, and 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 I was clear I was going to set them way out in front of me, and I'd need some monitoring, so I bought these cheap things to get me through that thing, and, and I'm still using them because I have this hunch that someday, in the not too distant future, I'll be investing in some IEMs. Which is IEM, I, meaning in-ear monitor. In-ear monitors, which is, I suspect, where you are bringing this conversation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, 
because uh, uh, I have questions for you about this, and I think okay. I think probably a lot of people have. There, there are certainly bands that are in the position mine is in, which is, um, I hear people saying that they're great. I understand in theory that they're great, but I sort of can't picture the leap that it would take to actually use them. So what, what is the leap? What, what does the leap feel like to you? What is the net loss, net gain of, of switching over? Here's the, here's the, I, I see, I see a ton of gain. All right. I see a ton of gain. I'm clear that the, um, you know, a more controlled monitoring environment is going to only help our performance. Um, I, uh, when I started the band, I really wanted to be on electronic drums and, uh, my drummer has convinced me otherwise. And I am convinced he's, um, got good touch on the acoustics and they give us so much more energy that, you know, I mm-hmm. want the acoustic drums, but I don't want to walk out with my ears ringing at the end of the night. Um, right. It's funny. I'm actually, we're, we're having the exact opposite conversation because as an eighties band, we're, we're looking at the option of, of going digital drums, but go on. Well, yeah, it's right for your idiom. Um, who you calling an idiom? You know what? It's right for your, uh, but you know, we found that the energy of the acoustics makes a bunch of difference. So we want to stick with that. Um, but it's brutal when it's loud on stage. I, I hate that. Um, yeah. and so that's all upside. Uh, the thing that I'm, uh, so two things that I, that I am concerned about. The first is I am running sound. So part of what I need to be able to do is, um, hear what the front of house sounds like. And I actually put the house mix in my wedge. Okay. Um, and since I'm one of the lead vocalists and the lead guitar, I am mixed front enough that I can do that. I don't need a particular mix for me. Um, so I'm listening to house mix in my wedge and it feels to me like having the house mix in my IEMs kind of defeats the purpose. So that's the first question. Okay. What, what are your thoughts about that? So the, the main reason why we, we went with in-ear monitors was so that, um, the whole setting monitors up process uh, was kind of stricken from the setup time. Yes. So our environment being everybody on stage has in-ear monitors, either wired or wireless. And we, um, they are, they're controlled wirelessly via an app on the, um, on the musician's phone. So they simply, um, once we get everything unmuted, they adjust levels accordingly and um, that's just not even a part of the process. And it's so, it can so what you're saying is there's a there's an app for the X32 rack that mm-hmm. each of your people has. That's they're driving their own monitor mix. Correct. Okay. And it can be adjusted on the fly by anybody on stage at any time that they need it. Right. So if something gets crazy gain staged, or you know a, a gremlin is in the system somewhere. Um, issues can be resolved in the moment um, mm-hmm. and not have to, you know, stop the show or stop in between songs and say, excuse me, can I get a little less this and the whatever that kind of deal. Um, so that's part of it. The other part being um, because I have a front of house guy, you know, hit it's, it's now solely on his shoulders to fix the issues that are there. Right. And I now have somebody to direct the audience members to because Nothing drives me crazier than somebody coming up during the song that I'm singing <laughs> going, I can't quite da 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 da. I can just yeah. be like, you see that guy in the, in the tuxedo t-shirt in the yeah. back of the room, go talk to that yeah. guy. Can you play any Raffy? You know, yeah. just all kinds of interesting uh, requests. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we are using the in-ears for is because we are primarily uh, a band that 
we're not primarily a band that uses tracks. We are a band that uses tracks. Um, we, uh, we use them, uh, to feed a click mm-hmm. to the entire band. Right. So even songs we're not playing two tracks, we're typically playing to a click. Um, and we use that pre fader click monitor feed setup, um, to our advantage. So on the click channel, you're not just getting, you know, a solid tempo being shot at you. You're also getting cues. So you're getting uh, count offs. You're getting, you know, we're, we're going into the bridge. Um, Hey, we're starting this song in, you know, one, two, three, four. Um, we're, we're kind of using that, that silent channel that's going into our heads to, to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it allows us to do things that other bands would have to either, um, spend a lot of time in rehearsal doing or um, not able to do it all. So, all right. Well, now that, <clears throat> so that leads me into the other thing that concerns me about them. Okay. Which is um, unlike your show, which is, you know, dialed in on rails and uh, you know, as you just described, basically automated. Yeah. Um, ours is pretty fluid and we, I mean, we mm-hmm. make a set list, but then we call audibles all night long. And, um, so I worry about being isolated. I know, I know we could set up a mic on stage that, um, is only going into the in-ears. So, well, let's talk about that for just a second. Yeah. So what, what you're able to do, it's eight o'clock, isn't it? Um, Oh, can you hear the church behind me? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, the, what you can do is there's a, there's a cool piece of kit called, I I don't know. There's different versions of it. The one that I know of is called a cough drop and it's used in radio and it's basically a momentary switch where you can either choose to switch the channel on or off by stepping on a button. Hmm. Then what you what you then have is you have a talkback mic that only the guys on stage can hear. So what you could do is, you know, as the song's wrapping up, you could just go over there, step on that button and say, go into this. And then that way, all of those audibles that you're calling are happening, you know, momentarily without the audience knowing about it yeah, in the mixing environment and not the front of the house. Right. Yeah. So it, it gives you the ability to, um, I mean, in my opinion, it, it, it increases the production value of the show because you're able to make those calls quickly and on the fly without, you know, involving the audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the other thing for me as a vocalist is it makes just an unbelievable difference in the quality of my delivery. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm sold about that. Yeah. 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 When There's, I find myself trying to belt over, you know, other stuff in the house mix, that, that's, that's a rough night. I belt over no one yeah. and it's, it's great. It's actually, it's also, um, it's really improved my mic technique, uh, so much. So I, I've actually gotten, I felt like that it was a, it was a, the weirdest compliment I ever got, but this, uh, this guy walked up to me in between sets one time and he goes, I know that you know how to sing. And I said, well, how do you know that? And he goes, when you sing high, you don't move the mic. Mm. So basically because I don't pull the mic away from myself when I, right. when I go up in my range, yeah. he could tell that I had the control that's needed, but it's really just because I can hear myself and I don't have to worry about blowing myself up because I don't have to push to yeah. go, you know, go where I need to go, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. um, the other thing about, you know, talking about, uh, cartage is one of the things. So that's, you know, you guys have, you know, how many mixes are you running? Well, um, 
one that is specifically for the back line, and then right now we're piggybacking on the mains for our front wedges. So is but it, how many speakers is that? Three. Three. So three plus the plus the mains. Um, you know that's that's for us it would have been five or right. six. Right. So that's that's way less cartridge for us. Um, and what we were looking at to purchase were like you know K tens or or K K eights. Um, and when we did the math, what, what we're using are the Sennheiser um, IEM two G three setups, which is basically a single transmitter in a in a half of a single rack space uh, that powers two receivers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm getting two mono mixes off of each of those. So I have two <laughs> of those. That's four wireless mixes uh, in the space of you know of one single rack, and between them that breaks it down to about $600 per mix. And that is actually cheaper than what I would have gotten, mm-hmm. you know, the speakers for. So it was, yeah. it was actually a net plus for us financially to do it that way as well. And, and just to be clear, physics wise, the transmitter doesn't care how many receivers are picking up what it's. Yeah. You, I mean, you could technically you could run as many off of them as you want. Um, what this allows us to do is you have two, you have two independent mixes per, Exactly. Exactly. But but you could have, you know, if my bassist and drummer wanted the same mix, mm-hmm. I would not need a separate transmitter for them. The transmitter is just putting vibrations in the air. It has no Correct. idea how many receivers are picking it up. Yeah. And there are those there's companies like Galaxy Audio which sell like one transmitter and five receivers, mm-hmm. you know, as long as everybody's cool with the same mix. Right. Uh, for us, I'm I'm not that's not what I'm 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 about. Uh, if I could have my way, I, I'd love a stereo mix, um, and that will probably happen some at some point down the road. But it's just you know, right now the juice isn't worth the squeeze on that financially right. to right. get that. Right. Right. So. Okay. Well, I am looking at it. There is a um, there is a brand new, actually um, all digital model from Mimo. I think Mi nine hundred nine. I believe is the model number, mm-hmm. and. Um, People are saying it is hot. It's um, you know got that same feature of being able to isolate the left or right side of the stereo input in a particular receiver, so you can split it up into separate mixes that way. Um, I'm thinking my step in might be to put the two of us in front on IEMs first and just see what we think. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be easy to put Tony the drummer on a wired one. Um, Scott likes his freedom, though he doesn't play he doesn't play wireless. He plays with a long cable. Um, so just for clarity, it's, it's the Mi Pro Mi nine hundred nine digital wide. Yeah, and I'm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I just because yeah. I, I remember I I was like I think that might be what that is, but I just googled it. So, yep, very good. And and, and My Pro or Mi Pro, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Um, they are a player in the game. Um, I know of a, a few set uh, a few people who um who sell them. Uh, you can buy them on Reverb. Uh, apparently mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, the main person that they are using as a, uh, as an, <laughs> as an endorsement well, is, uh, their website is straight nineties. Have yeah. you seen their website? Well, I, when I tell you this, so I'm on reverb looking at this model and the video that they're using is Michael, Michael sweet from striper. Um, so <laughs> All right. Them. right on. So, yeah. Okay. Hell with <laughs> monitors. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, I'll keep you posted in my, um, progress toward, I think it's inevitable that I'm going to end up there, but, um, but I'll keep you posted. Yeah. I mean, I started using in-ears probably back in 2005, 2006. Um, and we were still using analog boards at that point, but it was just one of those things that, you know, 
at that point, it was kind of what separated the men from the boys. And we were playing original music on big stages. And it was just something that, you know, we needed to do in order to kind of keep up. Um, but I really enjoyed the ice. For me, I kind of enjoyed the isolation because, mm-hmm. you know, the one of the plus sides of having inner monitors is that when the drunk person comes up and asks for a song, you'd be like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. <laughs> So, <laughs> right, right. You know, right. there's pros and cons. Right. Well, that is the other thing. I mean, we spend a lot of our time out off the stage engaging with people. And, mm-hmm. um, I guess I'd drop one out of my ear if I needed to hear somebody talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not as bad as people make it out to be. Um, it is isolating, but I, I feel like it can be isolating in a good way. Um, and, and yeah, you know, we were having that conversation about sunglasses. So you can, if you want to like certain songs, like especially songs that are in like the lower part of my range where I need a bit more resonance, mm-hmm. uh, like, don't you forget out, forget about me is a good example of that. Uh, a lot of times I literally turn the monitors off. Huh. I just turn my belt pack off because what that does is it's basically, it's just like, uh, earplugs in your ears. And so you can kind of feel that resonance in that lower part of your range a bit better. Still um, feel the bass, I guess. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, we've got live drums, so, you know, that's basically what I'm following at that point yeah. in songs in songs where I kind of know where I am and I don't necessarily need cues from anything. Um, I also have the option I can turn them down or turn them off. Um, and then sometimes at the end of the night, I pull them both out, you know, like when we're doing, you know, don't stop believing, you know, you can hear, you want to hear the, the crowd just, you know, losing their mind about that. So yeah. you pull them out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear people putting um, like crowd ambience mics out mm-hmm. um yeah we, so we don't do that right now we're we're at the you know like you're saying you never have enough um currently on our x32 rack we are maxed out uh, one of the things i am looking forward to is the possibility of us going to digital drums because that frees up six channels on the board <laughs> just immediately um so that gives me all kinds of fun options like stereo guitars and you know additional inputs on stage so that's that's always going to be you know cool so yeah but we may not do it. We'll see. Okay. All right. I have, um, I, we're closing in on time here. I have one yep. last question that I'm going to ask right. because I want to answer it, but I'm going to pretend that it's a topic for discussion. Oh yeah. I love those. Yeah. What is the single purchase you've made that made the most difference in your band, you know, in your experience of like, not necessarily playing, but of like the, the equipment side of it. What's, what's your purchase that altered the game the most? Well, it's not entirely fair because I'm, I bought that PA all at once. It literally showed up at a, on a pallet at my house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, spending that kind of money all at once, you know, was definitely, I mean, it changed our game immediately. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and say that when I got the helix, it, you know, it, 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 it was a trajectory change for the band because once I, it was kind of a, it was, it happened by accident. It was a situation where we were playing in a room that was too small and too reflective. And they were like, we can't do amps. So I was like, I'll buy, you know, I'll, I'll pick one up at Guitar Center and I'll try it out and I'll return it if I don't like it. Yeah. But I liked it and I liked it a lot and I liked it so much. And the other guitar player was, you know, he had kind of cobbled together a direct solution and he hated it. And he literally bought one like the very next week. Um, and, and is telling the bass player he had to, he didn't have to bring, you know, a rig anymore. Like, <laughs> He was like, <laughs> don't even tell me twice. He was he yeah, was on board right. from the drop. So we okay. went from a, a band that had you know three amps on stage to a band that had no amps on stage literally overnight. And our sound guy is just like, you guys have no idea. Oh, it's the best. It's the best for a sound guy because yeah. he has he he has control over literally everything now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, it's not even, and, any, not even any monitor bleed. I mean, nope. That's great. So yeah, it's, um, but an entire PA is one. Um, but if it's just a single piece of kit, it's probably the helix. Good. All right. Good answers. I could give, I could, I could, um, I could probably answer both of those myself if I didn't have the thing to say that is not that. All right. I, lay it on me. I bought myself a rock and roller cart. Ooh, that's yeah. a close third, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. So for those of you who don't know, it's a expanding, collapsible, very flexible wheel cart yeah. um, that I can get my whole PA and lights on. Um, I, I travel pretty light for lights. I got a couple of Chauvet um, four bars. sticks. Um, oh. I have a four bar and I have a gig bar yeah. um, and, a, and a haze machine. And I can get all of that onto it and wheel it all in. I bungee so that it like strap it all up. And I got a very particular Tetris game I play that makes it all work. And, uh, and I can wheel that whole thing in from my car in one trip. And it's, yep. it is a complete game changer. Yep. And, uh, they occasionally, uh, go on sale. Um, I actually, I picked one up for, I think 40 or 50 bucks on Amazon a while mm-hmm. back. Um, and it's the midsize one. They have them in, in different configurations, but the midsize one gets, you know, most of the job done. Um, yeah, I have I have the biggest one, and I bought it with the off off road wheels because mm-hmm. you never know. Yep. Yeah, um, I would say that those are those are definitely um, well worth it. Yeah, so I, I sometimes one, get when, one. I, when I'm when I'm unloading my car into the storage unit we practice in, it's like it's really like thirty feet from the tailgate of my car in the door in the door of our unit, mm-hmm. and um, I sometimes think like oh, I'm going to get the whole thing, but then I think no, I'm going to have to take two trips a trip with each of the subs and then four or five more, like all the back and forth I'm going to have to do versus like, I can load this thing, strap it all together, wheel it in. It's just even for a walk of 15 steps. It's so much easier. Yeah. We, um, I, I, uh, one of the things I really enjoyed it for is I, I, I had that acoustic gig and I was able to, to basically load everything in on one trip, which was Mm -hmm. very nice. So, Yep. Uh, yep. check out rock and rollers for sure. I'll probably drop yep. a link in the, uh, in the show notes. Do. I mean, listen, we've, we've re- listed a lot of gear here. So, um, I'll tell you what, I'll, um, let's just talk afterward or, or email afterward and get some links together yep. for all the gears, uh, uh, stuff that we've dropped in this episode. Absolutely. We will do that. Um, I think that's a good way, a good, uh, good stopping point. So, uh, I think so too. Thanks Dan. Yeah, man. Thank you. Hope you guys found that informative. And again, if you uh, if you want to get in touch with us, find us on Facebook at Coverband Confidential. Um, you can email us at coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. I won't mention our Twitter name because nobody follows it anyway and it's hard to pronounce. <laughs> so um, you know, we're just we're we're just still plugging along trying to get this thing going. So if you have any uh, suggestions or things you want to talk about, just let us know. Yep. We'd love to talk about them. Yep. Share us with your friends. Listen, if you if you um, follow and like us on iTunes, it actually really helps it really in does. the search and the rankings. Yeah. So please do that. Thank you guys very much. And uh, until next time, this is Adam Johnson from Atlanta, Georgia. Ray from Greensboro, North Carolina. And you are listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, Episode 8. Have a good week. <laughs> <laughs>